Welcome to the Criminal Maze podcast from BP Collins. My name is Olivia Duncan. I'm a criminal solicitor in the dispute resolution team. And today I have the great pleasure of being joined by J.A. Marley. John was born in Belfast and he grew up in West Belfast during the height of the Northern Irish Troubles. This is actually being born in Belfast is something that you have in common with Paul Waters. Uh, indeed, yes. yes. <laughs> Who we were speaking to um, and is also going to be at Chilton Kills. Mm-hmm. John has had a 30-year career in television. Um, after that, he made a leap into crime writing with his Danny Felix thrillers, which centre on the exploits of a master thief. London Interrupted has been followed by the sequel, The Unholy Hours. And there's a yet-to-be-announced third book? Uh, um, yes, it's written, it's done, uh, it exists. Pushes off. Yeah. Um, well, you say that. <laughs> but yeah, there is, there is definitely a third, yes. Great, great. John is a member of both the Society of Authors and the Crime Writers Association. And I understand that, aside from writing, John likes films, dogs and good whiskey. That's all true. (laughs) I can't deny any of it. (laughs) Great. My cross-examination starts well. (laughs) Here we go. So as I mentioned there, you've had a very successful and and long career in television before you became an author. Yeah. Your first book, Standstill, I think was published back in 2016. Sure, yes. Um, And so I'd I'd really like to know kind of why you you wanted to write that book um, and, and have you always been a writer? Well, essentially, actually, before I ventured into television, I was I was a print journalist for a little right, for a right. very short time. I I, I specialised in film writing, okay. um, so I was the film critic for there was a glossy magazine in the eighties in Northern Ireland called Northern Woman. Amazing, um, and I was the <laughs> and I was the film critic for Northern Woman as well as for BBC Radio Ulster and then laterally um, Downtown Radio, which was the independent local radio station from Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, and uh, that was great way in because, you know, it's having to write, if the, if the magazine editor said to me, you've got 500 words, I said, yeah, but mm. I, I, I can do a thousand yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, you've got 500 and stop messing about. Yeah. So it's a good discipline. And then it, it kind of naturally rolled because in television you're, writing uh, I started as obviously I started as a runner and making the tea and all that kind of stuff mm. but I spent a long time as a researcher so you you right. write research brief notes briefing notes um uh, and uh, from there then as you get more senior mm. you know you're writing scripts for shows you then yeah. start to write pitch documents for trying to get new business etc cetera, etc cetera. so I've kind of written all my life just in yeah. different kind of forms you know um so uh, making the leap to become a novelist yeah. whilst it was it's a challenge and it's a leap of faith and it's mm. a it scares the Jesus idea yeah. uh <laughs> it's it, it wasn't such an alien leap for me because at least I knew my way around a word processor. Yeah, yeah, I see. And I mean, you've described there a lot of different types of writing, styles uh-huh. of writing, different briefs being of asked course. to, to yeah. kind of fit other people's voices on top of your own, I suppose. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been, your style has been evolving or adapting for a long time, but have you noticed how your style has changed at all in it, writing? It, one of my proudest moments in television was when I mm-hmm. was working on the Disney Club right. and we were doing the Easter special and I wrote the script. Wow. And uh, I did a thing for two of the presenters doing this comedy piece where uh, one of them who was always playing like a stooge character mm. had a, a an egg collection for uh, Easter. <laughs> Easter, and yeah. uh, uh, they were all celebrity eggs. Nice. And one of them was Eggy the Eagle. 
Excellent. Uh, <laughs> and that one was painted like Iggy the Eagle. And there was another one was Danny Minogue. Supposed <laughs> to Danny Minogue. So I think my writing has kind of moved on since then. <laughs> I think it has developed somewhat. Um, I imagine. But, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a different disciplines, obviously, as you yeah. say, demand different things. Um, but even since starting to write the novels, um, mm. the book I'm writing at the minute um, is, again, very different. And um, uh, and I'm aiming to push my style and, and, yeah. and push my writing experience. It's it, I haven't got so much a learning curve as a cliff face when it comes <laughs> to being a novelist. Um, uh, and that's one of the reasons that actually attracted me to it was, you know, fresh challenge, new challenge, trying something new, trying to push myself creatively. Right. And to my delight, I find that with every book you try and sit down and write, that actually replicates itself again and again and again. So when you say that's such a, like a really like visceral kind of metaphor or like, or yeah, image there, a cliff face. So you just, you set yourself this challenge and then just there's no way out but up <laughs> oh, well yeah kind of although Sorry. sometimes you might be halfway up the cliff face looking down thinking why did I start this <laughs> why, why did I do this um but yeah it is it and, and and getting a complete first draft done whilst that's not the end of the process of writing a novel mm. it does feel like a huge milestone yeah it feels yeah. like you've crested the top of that cliff for the first time yep um, <laughs> uh, but as anybody who who does walking especially in, in uh, Cumbria in this country or, mm. or wherever you do your hiking there's always another hill when mm. you get to the top yeah. there's always another hill that's... um so it's the same with writing books and um but yes it it's it's very much a um you spend a lot of time uh, kind of looking up that is a fantastic yeah kind of analogy for it and I mean I've never written fiction but um, I mean aside from a child as a child but I recognize that idea of like your first draft being yeah you really feel like you've won some kind of battle <laughs> it, yeah it is like a yeah, slight wrestling match yeah you know I, I've had two falls in a submission um yeah I think the big thing about it as well is that it's a great moment to then stand back and look at the body of the story you're telling uh, and 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 um, hopefully there aren't too many plot holes. Hopefully you haven't turned a character who started out as somebody fluffy and cuddly mm. into a psycho killer by the end of it. Um, uh, so that all those kind of progressions within your character stack up. Mm. So that mm. the end of that first draft is a great moment. Actually, it's quite a refreshing moment to stand back and go. Oh, yeah, this is the shape of the book. Mm. This is what it looks like and feels like. And have you ever been in that position where you're standing back and you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, Oh no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, that's very reassuring. Um, uh, I know you. I, uh, you're probably going to ask me about process later, but one of the, the way that I write is emergent. Right. Uh, so uh, whilst I do a little bit of planning, mm. I, I do a, I, I do a spidergram and uh, of all the characters and how they connect to one another. Um, but that's as much plan as I do, and right. I I literally sit down and write. And I let almost let the characters and the storyline guide me as I write. Right. Um, and so I have on occasion gone tromping down a um, what can only be described as a comedy cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> and you suddenly find yourself uh, standing there going, hmm, that last 15,000 words oh. actually doesn't work. So I have in the past literally click highlight oh cut uh, and I'm I, I'm very good I don't delete I paste into another document and I save it as yeah. off cuts whatever the title yeah. of the book is and and then I save that I think uh, there'll be something in that I'll yeah. be able to use I have to say so far there has been. but that's yeah that's a real active um 
decision, isn't it? Or like, yeah, um, kind of courage as well to be like all of that time. No, it's not right for this. It's, it's yeah. a horrible feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it is a horrible feeling. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that that does go, go to the to the idea of process. But um, I also I just wanted to, to touch on something that I guess has cropped up a bit this week as we've been interviewing authors, which is there's an idea or a trope even in, in literature that you should write what you know. <laughs> and I just I'm intrigued by that idea because I think Obviously, it depends on your definition of the word no. Um, but it also, it would seem then very difficult to write characters that are, you know, evil. Or is that within your definition of what you know, you know? Um, I think it is. I think, I mean, I, we can all put our hands on our hearts and say across the space of our lives, we've met the odd psychopath, um, <laughs> uh, usually a line manager, <laughs> somebody above you. Um, uh, but I think write what you know. There is a little bit about that. I have to say, if I had to, if somebody said to me, oh, you've done 30 years in television, why haven't you written a book set television? Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd rather spoon my own eyes out than <laughs> write a book about television. It, was, it just doesn't attract me. Yeah, yeah. The escapism of writing crime fiction right. is one of the things that yeah. attracts me to it. But um, I, I'll let you into a little secret. So it, it, it London Interrupted uh, slash Standstill. Um, mm -hmm. There's robbery at the very centre of that book. And... Um, the way the way it came about was I came up with the idea while commuting in and out of town to London for mm, my TV job. Mm. And I remember I, it, my journey was just there was one day and no matter what way I tried to get on and off the tube, I was stymied at every turn. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, God, this is really easy. Uh, it's really easy to grind London to a halt. Mm. Really easy to grind London to a halt. Yeah. And then it kind of spun from there. Mm, and wow, yeah. um I know a retired flying squad detective mm -hmm. who I may occasionally have had a, the odd beer with. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to him one night and uh, I had this idea for a robbery that in order to achieve, you would have to grind London to a halt. Yeah. So I'm talking him through it and he's looking at me and we're having a beer. And then I suddenly realise I've been talking for about 10 minutes and he hasn't touched his beer in that 10 minutes. And then I look at him and I realise he's kind of looking at me right. slightly myopically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said to him, what, what, well, what's going on? He says, where have you got all this from? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, this, this idea for this, this robbery. I said, well, what do you mean where did I get? I made it up. Yeah. And he went, no, you have to, you can't. And I said, why? And he said, well, he said, because this would work. And that was the point at which I thought, oh, well, maybe yeah. I will write the book then. Ooh, how delicious. <laughs> yeah. like the actual like genesis of the idea and, yeah, the, and the book. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, incredible. That's kind of where it came from. Fantastic. Yeah. So you were writing what you knew. <laughs> well, Your experience of the it, awfulness of the tuba rush. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, the book builds to that set piece and it, mm. it kind of informs the journey along mm. the way. But that's why somebody very kindly said to me they thought London was a character in the book, um, mm. which I think is a great compliment, yeah. especially as I'm from Belfast. Mm. Um, and then th I wanted to make sure uh, and do that justice. So he and I did go out driving around central London and mm. where the robbery takes place is an actual place. And yeah. I scouted it all out with him and it took some video to remind me. And Fantastic. So, yeah, it's, it's, oh. I, I try, I do research and I yeah. do try to make sure it's, it's, um, it's not so outlandish that I have a pet peeve in both in movies and in books where if you get to that point where you're enjoying them and then suddenly a character or somebody does something and you think oh no really yeah. I mean seriously yeah, yeah. so that's why I was determined to make sure that you know uh, the, the robberies in both the Danny Felix books are um 
achievable yeah. and and indeed uh, feasible. <laughs> this is not advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, I'm not to be fined with a balaclava on down the post office on a Sunday or a Saturday. But uh, no, I mean, no, yeah, it's, it's no, that's you've got to you've got to make sure they I ring agree. true. Yeah, it they really it does. It kind of rips through that like a suspension of disbelief if you suddenly like that's not possible. I, I give so, you the yeah. perfect example in one of the Reacher movies, not the books, mm. but the movies. There's a face off between Cruz and one of the main henchmen, mm. and they both have guns in their hands. And the, the guns are loaded, mm-hmm. and then but then Tom puts his gun down, right, know, and does that thing where he puts his hand up and <laughs> beckons the guy. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna have a fist fight, and I remember just sitting there thinking, "Oh, for Jesus, yeah, yeah. give me a that break." That kind of stuff really winds me up. <laughs> yeah, understandable. So yeah, so it, I mean, that's a, a, another like just beautiful glimpse into your process there as well, and the amount of research that goes into it. And on the more cerebral side, I guess, do you have? <laughs> You're talking to the wrong man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, are there are there authors that work today um, within the same field or not that would inspire you um, or whose work you've, you've admired? Well, one of the reasons why uh, one of the reasons why I was interested in making the leap from television into writing was because um, when I first came to London to to work on a, my first network television show, mm. I was here. I didn't know anybody. Mm. I was literally. Mm plunked into the centre of the city. I was living in Queensway um, in uh, in rented accommodation and everything was completely alien to me, yeah. plucked from Belfast. I was still pretty green, if I'm honest with mm-hmm. myself. And one of the ways that I, um, I kind of filled my spare time was I found a little shop nearby on Queensway itself, mm. little... Um, it was actually a news agents and they sold paperbacks and they had an inordinate amount of Elmore Leonard books. Right. And I remember my father used to read Elmore Leonard when I was a kid because mostly he used to, my father read Westerns from the okay. library, from the local library. Yeah. Um, and Elmore Leonard wrote, wrote, as well as a lot of crime fiction, he wrote some really good Westerns as well. Mm-hmm. 310 to Yuma is one of his. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... Um, so I th- I recognised the name and I thought, I think my dad used to mm. read those. So I picked those up and just reading Elmore Leonard books. And unfortunately, his nickname was Dutch. Dutch mm. Leonard is no longer with us. Right. Uh, he died a few years back. But he his books are, I mean, look, he wrote Get Shorty. He, he wrote um, Out of Sight, uh, Maximum Bob. Uh, Tishomingo Blues. I mean, some of the best crime writing you're ever going to experience. Uh, yeah. So he he would be up there for me. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of contemporaries at the moment, I mean, the the granddaddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if I was to put somebody on a pedestal, yeah, James Lee Burke right. is is right. just incredible. The Dave Robichaux novels mm-hmm. are high art as far as I'm concerned. They transcend genre fiction. Yeah. Um, his use of descriptive language is achingly beautiful mm, mm. Um, and uh, every time a new James Lee Burke comes out uh, I'm beside myself with excitement yeah, um, yeah so if you haven't read any um, the series starts with a book called The Neon Rain for my money the best one's a book called Burning Angel which mm-hmm, is just incredible mm-hmm, and actually the ones he's just written recent, recently he's written one not that long ago called A Private Cathedral which is just 
I mean, mm. just breathtakingly good. So yeah. he he would be another big influence on me. I mean, there's yeah. lots. There's yeah. lots of really good writers out there. Of course, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, Maybe you know, some of the Tony writes great thrillers. Um, um, Denise with her true crime, Denise yeah, Beddows, who's yeah. who's on the Children Kills um, committee, was absolutely fabulous. Paul's book is a lovely piece of work. You know, mm, it's mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talent out there. Yeah. You don't have to go digging too far to yeah. to find it. Well, thank you so much for for bringing us around because I was just gonna I wanted. To, to mention there that one of the reasons that um, that we're talking today is because you're uh, one of the people behind the literature festival that's coming up in Gerald's Cross on the on the 7th of October it's called Chilton Kills and BP Collins are lucky enough to be one of the sponsors for the event and because of the sponsorship and also because of the fact that all of the some 70 odd uh, amazing authors that are going to be there are offering up their time for no fee it means then that the the ticket sales can all be donated to Centrepoint. Centrepoint, yes, indeed. Centrepoint being a leading, um, the UK's leading youth homelessness charity. Indeed, yeah. Um, Great charity, yeah. So, yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about what made you get involved in Children Kills? Well, look, <laughs> who doesn't want to hang out with 70 authors in <laughs> one single day? Uh, and, you know, and uh, and for us authors, and I know it is great that everybody's taken uh, taken the time out and donating their their time and their kind kind words for free, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But authors love to meet up and talk to each other. And we love Amazing. to hold forth yeah. about our art uh, <laughs> as I put the back of my hand to my forehead. Um, so, uh, you know, it, that's the easy part of the equation. The hard yeah. part of the equation is convincing readers to come and listen to us talk nonsense. Um, and thankfully, they do want to because they are interested in things like process and they are interested yeah. in where did you get the idea for that robbery or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and also we've got, I mean, some really big names coming. Mark Billingham's going to be there. Mm. Obviously, Frederick Forsyth. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, exactly. uh, doesn't ever do anything and he's coming to do Children Kills. Um, so... Yeah, and, and also doing panels is great fun for an author mm. uh, because very often you get the chance to learn about things in your genre and in your and in some cases even in your books that a reader will point out during the Q and A that you mm. just think, oh, I yeah. never I never realised that. So it's invaluable for us. Mm. It's always great to meet readers. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, a, a cornucopia yeah. of writers at Chilton Kills is to be experienced and reveled in, I reckon. And it's also, it's, it looks like it's going to be a really lovely mix of panels and opportunities to hear quite structured parts of the day. And then also just everybody milling about together. And that's going to be, you know, great. Yeah, I, I think that's, and it is good to press the flesh with readers. And it's good for readers to press the flesh with, with, with authors because, yeah. It's, so writing a book is very solitary. Yeah, you're. It's you, uh, a flashing cursor on a screen, and uh, and, and a lot of your own headspace. Mm -hmm. And you actually sometimes can easily forget that there is a reader at the other end of the equation. And yeah. so when you when you go to something like Chiltern Kills, it's brilliant because. Um, People say things to you, as I say, that you would never have even conceived of your own work. I've, mm -hmm. I've had people tell me there was one woman professed complete dying love for Danny Felix <laughs> and, and taught me how sexy he was. And I and, and that was after reading the first book. And I remember thinking, I don't remember writing anything particularly <laughs> sexy about Danny. But, but 
you know, you, you layer onto it whatever you want to. That's that's the joy of being a reader. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you discover all sorts of things. But yeah. uh, listen, it'll be a fabulous day. It's mm-hmm. great for Jared's Cross because um, it puts them on the uh, crime writing literary map. Yeah. And uh, and uh, very kind of BP Collins to be um, one of our main generous sponsors. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it hugely. I think it's going to be a fantastic day. And then there's just one last question that I've asked um, the other people that we've spoken with this week as well. But I think you might have answered it already. But it was if you could if you could invite a crime writer no longer with us, no longer to sit to sit on a panel um, with you at, at the Chiltern Kills event. And I know you've, you've spoken about your fondness. Uh, Elmore Dutch. Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Elmore Leonard. But if there was another one. I'm sure there probably is. Um, <laughs> he's still alive. I'd love to sit down with Jack Higgins. Right. Um, yeah. I'd love to um, sit down uh, with Don Winslow, who's again still alive. I've met Don Winslow at, 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 at another at another literary festival here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't have to be dead for me. I I, <laughs> I, I literally uh, I'm kind of like a geek. I'm kind of like a crime geek. I'm very happy to sit down with lots of living authors and mm-hmm. pick their brains and talk about the books that they that influence them and yeah. that, that they love. Um, but if you're going to make me go beyond the grave, it definitely would be Elmore Leonard because yeah. he's, you know, actually, if any of your listeners are lucky enough to have a Disney subscription, mm-hmm. the new series of Justified City Primeval, which are all characters all based on Elmore Leonard's writings. Wow. That's just literally dropped in its entirety on uh, Disney in this country. It was broadcast in America in July, mm. Mm. literally just the last couple of weeks. So I've ploughed my way through <laughs> that because it's a fabulous series and they're very true to Elmore Leonard's writings. So oh, uh, wonderful. If you that's that's a t- that's my one top tip. Don't tell everybody I said it, but it is the truth. <laughs> An excellent top tip. Thank you so much. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Olivia. Nice to meet you. It's wonderful to meet you too. Thanks. Well, that was the Criminal Maze podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed it, uh, please do like and share. Thanks a million. <laughs>